successful podcast. I have CEO of Ketone Aid, Frank Yosa, and I can't thank you enough for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Got a lot to talk about. So I've been using your product on and off for three years, and it seems to wow. be the only product out there that has effective ketone esters. What drove you to start this company? Well, there's many companies that have exogenous ketones, period, but they don't have ex they don't have the ketone ester. So there's a huge difference there. So there's, you know, 10, 20, 30 different products that are ketone salts. So yeah, we have the ketone ester, which is you know drastically, drastically different. Did you have experience? Um, the reason the way it got Oh, so did you have experience with the ketone salts and that's why you switched over to the esters? No, no, I'll tell you the the history of it started with my this guy right here, Dr. Richard Veach. This book is called Ketones the Fourth Fuel. And Dr. Richard Richard Veach was working at the NIH for about 40 years and he was my wife's godfather. Oh, okay. And he was the one trying to invent a, you know, ketogenic diet in a pill or a a drink that would mimic a lot of the benefits of a ketogenic diet. And he was actually very anti-ketogenic diet, which is kind of funny. Um, and, you know, I was trying to help him raise some money. He didn't understand why someone didn't just give him $20 million to m just make a tanker car full of it and have people go behind the tanker car and just pour their cup. And just, you know, he didn't care about marketing and money. He just didn't understand why people didn't understand the science. So you know, with his permission and blessing, uh, I was trying to help him raise money, but the pitch went like this. Hey, we think people will give us, you know, pay $60 a day for something that right now tastes worse than nail polish <laughs> mixed with you know, a burnt tire. And they're just like, uh, okay, that or some CBD company that's, you know, hot and coming. Like they went for the CD, CBD. And I just said, you know, why don't I just put my money where my mouth is? Why am I asking these other people for money and permission? Like you know, I got Dr. Veach's permission and then went and did it. And it took a couple of years of R&D to bring the price down because it was, you know, Dave, Dave Asprey spent $25,000 for one serving of this stuff. From you? Of, uh, you know, not, not for me. No, no, from a scientist. You know, having a dedicated scientist making one molecule obviously is going to take, you know, cost a lot more. Um, but, yeah, it was just wildly, wildly expensive. So to scale that up to make it, you know, somewhat more affordable, um, took at least two years. And then we had an Indiegogo Kickstarter type event to pre-sell it because we had some some interest along the way because we had given some earlier stuff to Ben Greenfield. Um, I hadn't even drank it myself because I didn't want to waste this. It would cost us $500 to $1,000 a serving you know, early on. And I didn't want to waste it on me. Like no one cares about me whether I run around the you know lap faster. So we'd, we'd send him stuff before we'd even try it. And, and then we got some interest built up on that. So then when we finally were able to launch, we had a $25,000 target price and we ended up selling 125,000. So then the next eight months was just delivering on those products. So, um, that was, that was fun. And then the next four or five years was constantly having to scale up, rebuy all the equipment. Cause there's multiple pieces of equipment, having to rebuy everything at every stage to scale up bigger and bigger and often being sold out. And right about now we're fine as far as inventory when it comes to the ketone ester. But then because we finally had breathing room, we then launched a separate company called Hard Ketones, which we'll get to, which is this, uh, we, it's, it's a new molecule that we call ketohol. So instead of alcohol, we take out alcohol and put in ketohol and it gives you 
a very similar buzz, but with no hangover. So, you know, we'll get into that. Okay. What was the public's initial reaction to this ketone esters? Oh, that it tasted horrible. So we embraced <laughs> the taste. And there was a Tim Ferriss podcast where he t talked to, I think, Peter Tia, and he had gotten some early samples of the stuff and he hadn't flavor masked it properly and just took it down. And he talks about how it tasted so bad and he took it at 6 a.m. And he thought, well, if I throw it up on the kitchen counter here, it costs so much, thousands of dollars. I don't have to actually eat that vomit. And then it got into people's heads of this like really nasty, disgusting stuff. So, you know, the first reaction was that it, you know, tasted horrible, but then we found different ways to mask it and make it better. And if they're expecting orange juice, yeah, it's horrible. But if they're expecting vomit, then anything better than that, they're like, oh, you know, not too bad. So most people get used to it. Some people even say that they start to like it. I wouldn't say that I would like it personally. I still splash mine with a little bit of water to dilute it. But the other big thing that we found was the amount, the amount that we initially thought you had to take was one or two bottles. And that was based on a bunch of mice data and studies. Um, but then the customers came back and said, Hey, I just used one cap full, two cap fulls. And then that became the measuring tool. And when we were out of these bottles during COVID and stuff, they wanted to swap them out for bottles that had a smaller cap. And I was like, no, we can't do that. That's the measuring tool. Cause the measuring tool is about five mLs, which is about $2 worth. And, um, so we found indirectly, you know, the price, the $60 concept ended up dropping to two to $5 just because of people's use. They found that they needed, you know, much, much less of it. Um, so that was, those are the big things, taste and the quantity that you needed to, you know, find the minimum effective dose and too much can actually impair performance. So we do try to warn people, you know, more is not always better. If you take too much ester, it'll drop your blood sugar and can make you bonk. Okay. Have you personally taken too much ester and felt the experience of that? No. And that's because when you're ketogenic, you tend to have a broader range for the ketone ester working. So when you're ketogenic already, and I'm, I'm keto and vegan for the last five years, um, and uh, we find that the keto people respond to even less. So you know, half a capful, one capful, but depending if you're female or male, but then the, you can go up higher and the body is able to use the ketones without tanking blood sugar too much. It like, it recognizes the fuel, but people okay. that are not keto, which might be a good amount of our, our customer base are not keto using it for sports performance because keto is not required. They're the ones that they take that tiny amount and they're like, I don't feel anything. Um, but then when they go up too high, that's when they, their blood sugar, you know, I've got a continuous glucose monitor on right now to kind of see, you know, what it does. Um, their blood sugar will tank sometimes, you know, 40, 50s. And one guy triathlete had to pull out of a race because he didn't, he tried it for the first time race day as opposed to game, you know, in practice and had to pull out because his blood sugar just dropped way too much. So, um, but I, I haven't experienced that too much effect, but many people have. So I find that when I'm in ketosis, I can take one or two capfuls. And I almost like I'm taking the limitless pill from that movie with Bradley Cooper. But when I eat a carbohydrate rich yeah, so diet. Yeah, it's ironic because people say, oh, well, I'm in ketosis. I'm already making my ketones. I don't need I don't need to take them exogenously. It's kind of like, well, a glucose based athlete is making their own glucose. 
You don't see them fasting for their workout. They take glucose. It's just augmenting what you already have. So you might already have a baseline of 0.5 and one millimolar. And we don't know if there's a certain threshold where more of it gets to your brain or something. But yeah, you're getting your baseline is 0.5. And then you're adding the ketones on top of that. It's getting to your brain, you know, uh, more quickly and more impact has more of an impact. And also your sugar tends to block a lot of the benefits. So sometimes I get an email saying, oh, I don't like the taste. Can I put it in orange juice? I'm like, maybe for sports performance, some people use the dual fuel, but not for like brain where you're talking about the limitless stuff. Um, by it, by itself, it's best to not have sugar around because the sugar, even though the body prefers ketones, sugar kind of cuts in line. So you, know, you have some sugar in your system. It just, your body's going to try to take that first and then the ketones. But if you're already keto and your glucose is already low, then you're just not flooding your system, but just adding a whole bunch more at one, you know, bolus, um, where the 0.5 just might not have been enough to really turn your brain on to hundred percent capacity. And it's not a stimulant. It's not like caffeine. It's not, doesn't take you to 110. That's why I like to say, really take you to that 100% where, where your body truly can be. Um, and the closer you are to the 100%, the less you actually feel it. So some people that are just so optimized, so biohack, you know, they drink the smaller amount and they don't feel it because their brain is already at hundred percent. But most people over the age of 30 have what's called a brain energy gap. And some people under 30 brain energy gap where the brain can't be fully fueled by glucose. So all the ketones are doing is filling that gap to take you back up to hundred percent. So the worse you are, the more of an improvement you might feel. When you said the brain can't be fully fueled by glucose, is that glucose hypometabolism that they see in like dementia and Alzheimer's patients? Right, exactly. Same thing. And also traumatic brain injury. They're just not able to utilize glucose. So when people have a TBI, the last thing they should be doing is drinking Gatorade. But none of the doctors talk about food. They all put you in a dark closet and say, don't look at a cell phone. And, you know, they're missing this whole nutrition aspect to that. Yeah, the body... It's like a traffic jam going or toll road and or a traffic jam trying to bring glucose to your brain. And then the ketones is just a HOV lane that goes around and bypasses the blockage and just turns it on. I mean, they even had in mice or they gave a mice a TBI, which is, you know, very sad. Um, and they were not able to walk the maze. And then they gave them ketone esters and they walked the maze immediately the same as their baseline. Now, it doesn't mean that their TBI went away. It just means that, you know, they're still injured, but that pathway that got blocked just is being avoided so that they can be properly fueled. So it's, you know, really interesting stuff. I mean, ketosis blows my mind. I know like evolutionary, we were designed to come in and out of ketosis. Are you, have you been in ketosis for five years or do you go back to carb burning once in a while? Well, five or six years, sometimes I got to force myself to eat carbs. If I'm going to do some experiment, we have a new product and I want to test my ketones. My baseline is so high that it throws off all the numbers. So maybe once a year, but for the most part, yeah, I like staying in this state. When I was not in ketosis, I would always fall asleep at 7 PM reading my kids books. Like just every night they'd be like hitting me. Like you can't get through this book every single night. And once I switched over to keto, you know, I, I, maybe once, uh, not once every two or three months, maybe I'm reading a book. I'm starting to fall asleep. It just doesn't happen. Okay. It's drastically different. So I don't, some people cycle in and out. There's you know pros and cons. I just, 
prefer being in the state. Some people say it's hard. I, I don't know. I just don't eat carbs. If, if you don't have much of it around and you have, I have a bunch of nuts, a lot of avocados, kale chips. I try to make them on a daily basis. Um, I make my own nut cereal, just a 20, 10 different Trader Joe nut brands and just crunch them all up and make a, you know, with coconut chips and make my own cereal. If I even have breakfast. Um, and I just, it's not a big deal. I don't check my ketones, but once every two or three months, I don't um, count carbs or anything like that. And yeah, I, and I'll, I don't have the desire for a cake. You know, if there's a cake, a special occasions, people want to, you know, break ketosis and have their cake. I just see the cake and I just think that's me dumber. <laughs> it just doesn't make me, you know, I don't have that lure for it. And one thing that's important with this, the concept of exogenous ketones, which is drinking your ketones, it doesn't really put you in ketosis. And this is a misunderstanding that you can be on a ketogenic diet and then have a cheat day and then drink a bunch of ketones that night or the next day and suddenly you're back into ketosis. It doesn't do that. And some of the companies claim, drink this drink and you're in ketosis in 30 minutes or an hour. And it's very misleading because there's two definitions for being in ketosis. One is ketones in your blood. So sure, yeah, you drink ketones, you got, you can test ketones in your blood, but that's not real ketosis. What I call real ketosis is you've got a battery of sugar and your sugar has gone down, your battery has gone down to zero. And then now your body's in this emergency state saying, hey, I don't have enough sugar. So then it burns your fat to make the ketones. I call that real ketosis. Well, if you eat that cake, your battery gets back up to you know, full you drink exogenous ketones, it doesn't make that battery go down at all. Um, so it doesn't really put you back into ketosis. You still have to spend those several days of you know, wind sprints or, or several days of uh, super low carb or fasting to deplete that battery, that glycogen stores, so that your body starts burning fat again. And I like to make that distinction because some people, you know, people that are keto, they're like, you know, this, this is, you're making these claims that you're in ketosis. I'm like, no, no, no. We don't make those claims at all. All the other companies do. And then people find out that the ketone ester is better. So then they think that those false claims somehow apply to our stuff, you know, and triplicate. It's like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so if you eat a cake and you drink ketone esters, which fuel is your brain going to use? The cake. The cake. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, it just, the glucose cuts in line, I think it just, um, yeah. Okay. So I know you don't recommend it, but if you could give guidance, would you hope your customers would be in ketosis and take your ketonus? Actually, no. Actually, the funny thing is we don't recommend them starting ketosis for the first time and trying to see if the esters work because you've got all these different variables. You're starting to go keto. You're probably going to do it wrong. You're going to get the keto flu. And usually that's a salt intake problem, not a, you know, uh, a ketone problem. Just People, when they enter in the ketogenic diet, they lose uh, pound, a few pounds of water weight. And with that water weight goes a whole bunch of salt, electrolyte. So then they get the keto flu, which flu-like symptoms, and they feel uh, uh, they're dragging. They got brain fog and all that stuff, and it's just low salt intake. Um, but so they do the ketogenic di diet wrong, and then they take some ketone esters, and they're like, oh, it doesn't work. It's like one variable at a time. So... We, we do recommend you being on a low glycemic index diet because of that spike in blood sugar from the cake that I said, you know, takes preference. If you are able to cut out what I call, you know, the five deadly sins, fruit, 
rice, bread, pasta, fruit. <laughs> I like to say fruit twice because everyone wants to do everything except for the fruit. And they're like, oh, it's not working. Um, and I mean, if you can eat fruit and your blood sugar not spike, so you have a continuous glucose monitor and you see that it doesn't, doesn't go up, then great. Then, then that's fine. But, you know, until you can prove which fruit does or doesn't move your blood glucose, you know, I would avoid that. And, um, yeah, so we suggest that people just stay lower on the fast carbs, carbohydrates that spike your blood sugar and increase your fat consumption some, but not go full keto. So then you're getting, I like to say half of the equation is of, of the benefits that you're seeing is lowering the sugar because sugar is the detriment to your brain and just, you know, everything and just inflammation and just problems. And then the other benefit is, you know, the ketones going up. Well, if you're on a ketogenic diet, you have low sugar and a little bit of ketones. But if you're on a low glycemic diet where you just avoid fast carbs, you will have the low sugar benefit. And then you add the ketones, you know, you're getting both, both of the benefits. Now, some people want to not change their diet at all and try to incorporate ketones. You know, sometimes it works, but then don't get mad at me if it doesn't. I mean, we'll refund you if it doesn't because we guarantee our stuff, but they might have to take a little bit more or more, more frequently. Um, I say more frequently because if they increase the dose too much, then the blood sugar tanks. So then they have to find this sweet spot where their blood sugar isn't tanking, but then take it two times a day, three times a day um, to try to overcome, you know, the sugar two steps back, one step forward, two steps forward type type thing. So I never thought about this. Do you have like an age limit? I know for the hard ketones, 21, but so I have young kids and they don't drink ketone esters, but like, is there a certain age where you would let your kids start drinking ketone esters? We, we also say not recommended recommend for kids or pregnant people. Okay. Because anything anything new like this, it just, anything that the FDA approves for children has just a completely different level of, you know, criteria. So we say, you know, not recommended for kids. Okay. So I'm also wearing a glucose monitor. When right. somebody is eating fruit, how high is too high of a blood sugar level that it, they shouldn't be eating it? Great question. And I, I'm embarrassed that I don't, I'm not a doctor, not a scientist. I never really understand exactly what range people are supposed to be in. I'm sure that's like somebody else's one hour podcast explaining that. But what I'm looking for is, are are you seeing any spikes, any, you know, 20 point move, even, even a 10 point move, but any 10 or 20 point move, whether your baseline is you know, 90 or 110, you just don't want that, that spike. Okay. Because I'll feel lethargic. I'll eat a bunch of fruit, get up to 130, 140, and then I'll feel lethargic on the come down. Yeah, so you'll, it'll crash right down. And I say fruit didn't work for Adam and Eve. It's not going to work for you. <laughs> like fruit, you know, oh, but it's got vitamin C. I'm like, well, so does heroin. Doesn't mean that heroin's healthy. I don't know if heroin really has vitamin C, but the point is just because it, it it's, it's sugar. And some women, when they uh, get pregnant, they tend to gain a lot of weight. And the number one thing that the doctor said is, says is, have you started increasing your fruit consumption? And they're always like, how did you know that? Because everyone wants to be super healthy and you know, they're stopping the processed cereals and stuff. Okay. That's great. But then instead of going to the greens and the leafy vegetables and the fats, they go straight to the yummy stuff. They go to the, they go to the fruit. So they intake the fruit and you know, the weight goes up. So stick with the, the rest of that, part of the grocery that just isn't fruit you know the kale and greens and avocados galore one or two avocados a day you live in north carolina right there's no avocados growing there 
Northern Virginia. Northern Virginia. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, n nothing here. Just a just a DC swamp. Okay. <laughs> so I read a lot about fat loss, lipid hydrolysis, and when you take a ketone ester, some of the reports I read, it shuts off your body's ability to burn fat. Is that true? Well, actually, I thought you were going to say using ketone ester for weight loss, which a lot of companies claim that their exogenous ketone salts you know, help with weight loss. And I don't agree with that at all. Some of them are multi-level marketing companies. Okay. And the, a great way to lose weight is to have 10 people that are buying product from you looking to see your your weight gain and weight loss, and they'll be more inclined to buy stuff depending on how much weight you lose. That's a great way to lose weight, but it has nothing to do with the product. Yeah. It has to do with the mentality of, am I going to grab this bag of Cheetos if I've got all these people watching my daily you know, scale report? No, you're going to put it back, but that's a great way to lose weight. Um, so we don't recommend it for weight loss because we do have some people that see all these weight loss claims and then they hear that the ketone ester is better. So then they think that ours does even more weight loss. Um, and you know, that's where I try to explain that it skips the fat burning stage to put ketones in your system. As far as whether ketone ester stops fat burning itself, you know, theoretically, if you took super high quantities, yeah, if you're already in fat burning mode, you're already in ketosis and you're sitting on the couch doing nothing and your body's making this emergency fuel just to watch TV, if you drink a whole bunch of ketone estrogen, your ketones go to one, two millimolar when you test it in your blood, not uh, in your urine. Sure, that would make sense that it would shut down your body. Why is it going to keep on burning the fat for this emergency fuel if you just gave it a bunch of immediately usable energy? Um, but the way that it can be used is using much smaller amounts to skip meals. So to skip breakfast, skip lunch. So one guy tried to use it for weight loss. He took it you know, right before breakfast and or an hour before breakfast. And I'm like, were you hungry for breakfast? He said, no. So why'd you eat it? Oh, just out of habit. Well, what do you think the ketones were going to do? They're not going to like block the glucose utilization. You know, what, what was your expectation? Because if it helps you skip the meal, then skipping the meal is where you might find benefit in weight loss. But, you know, putting them both together, it might do some help in limiting your blood glucose spike. But you know, that's, that's just wishful thinking. It's a lot more expensive to use it before a meal because you won't feel it, but you might, it might help limit your blood sugar spike. But I think you might be able to get the same benefit by having a tablespoon of, you know, olive oil at the beginning of your meal or any type of oil that will just blunt the response of, you know, the high glycemic foods. Okay. Much and then the ketone, the ketone esters for me really blunt hunger. I work sometimes eight, 10 hour days and I'll take two capfuls at lunch and won't feel yeah. hungry till dinner. Yeah. So I had my, my, uh, cousin who, you know, I initially wanted him to try the ketone ester for, you know, brain optimization for work. He's like, Oh no, I'm always on. I'm, I'm good. And then I found out later that he schedules all of his appointments in the morning. And I said, well, why do you do that? He's like, Oh, I wake up. I don't have breakfast. You know, accidentally, he didn't know much about ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting. He didn't eat breakfast. He had coffee and and he'd be super sharp all the way up to lunchtime. He'd eat lunch. And the second half of his day was just you know lethargic and just wouldn't schedule any meetings. So I said, oh, well, you didn't tell me that. So I changed the protocol because the protocols change for everyone, um, depending on what the need is. So for him, he was able to take, yeah, one capful at lunchtime, skip lunch altogether, and then suddenly have the same productivity that he had in the morning 
in the afternoon and then suddenly he doubles his day's productivity and then come dinner time he's just eating what he normally would have eaten he's not making up for skipping one or two meals and just rinse and repeat and do that every day yeah now if you can do that without the ketone ester then great like if you get used to it used to skipping lunch and then you find yourself not craving it at lunchtime and then you can take no ester then you know that's even better right because it's less calories uh, now it might not help your brain as much but then we're now we're shifting between protocols of you know helping your brain versus appetite suppression but if you're getting used to not eating lunch and you can not take the ketone ester great then just skipping breakfast and lunch will you know do a bunch of good do most people come to you for performance so my main concern is brain performance i'm not an athlete but what do you think your customers are looking for about one third of them are athletes so we have professional athletes we used to have the model the motto we don't sponsor athletes we get athletes sponsored so they would secretly take our drink and then a year later they're being sponsored by red bull <laughs> and it's like that that's what we were do we would we're the actual drink that got them there so that they can hold up this fake can of water <laughs> yeah. um but then we you know this this one team was buying huge huge quantities several years in a row uh, a world tour cycling team let's so like tour de france cycling team and then i finally we signed a partnership so where they would admit that they were using it because it was a secret for many years so we're now we only sponsor one team and it just happens to be the number one cycling team you know in the world so we have that professional athletes but then also there's you know many people that do triathlons and ride bikes and you know work out so i would say about one third of our audience is athletic performance one third is for brain and one third is just general health health and wellness longevity sleeping people use it before bed for sleep which is super unexpected you know this energy drink before bed but if you take much lower quantities um, it's not a stimulant. So people think that it's a stimulant. It's not a stimulant like caffeine. Um, so people take it before bed and they're finding that they're getting 30 minutes more deep sleep. They they have an aura ring like this and they send in the data and they say, here's my week score. And then they took the ketone ester and it pops up. And then the next day they didn't take it, pops back down, you know, 30 minutes more deep sleep. Um, and they're only taking sometimes $1 worth, $2 worth. So tiny you know, tiny amount. What's happening in the brain that gives you more deep sleep when you take ketone esters? We don't know. So the ketone ester for sleep, we told people the first few years, don't take it after 7 p.m., don't take it before bed. But then Travis Christofferson, the guy who wrote this book, um, and we do sell this book on our website for like five cents. So if you buy anything else, you can kind of throw it in. Um, he said, hey, I took 10 mLs, two capsules. It's on the high side. Yeah. That would destroy my sleep. He's like, I'm telling you, I slept like a baby. You will not believe it. So then we have this message board of like 3,000 customers that we share different protocols. I said, hey, people, let's try this. And before you know it, within a year or two, one third of our Amazon reviews are about deep sleep. People saying, hey, normally I wake up three times to go to the bathroom. Today, my last night, my cell phone was on my chest when I went to bed and I woke up and the cell phone was still on my chest. Like I hadn't rolled over once, didn't wake up once. And, and they're just flabbergasted we've helped people get off of three sleep medicines before um and they just we don't know but we don't know why we don't know there's some theories about helping it, it helps with recovery for elite athletes so maybe there's something where it's just recovering the body uh or maybe it interacts with melatonin that your body naturally naturally makes uh 
we don't really know. I'd like to be able to get us, you know, some sleep data, clinical trials that, you know, prove this because it could be a placebo effect of, oh, well, I'm taking this drink. So let's make sure I don't look at my cell phone for another half an hour. And, you know, looking at the cell phone is what destroys it, you know. So we don't know, but. You know, people really love it for that. It's always hard to tell when it's so multivariable. Did they put orange glasses on? Did they meditate before bed? Did they take this? Have you take? Yeah, but this is Mike, this was Mike Mutzel, super biohacker. Yeah. So an entire week of one hour deep sleep, and then he and he's his variables are pretty consistent. He takes the ester, jumps to one thirty. Next day he didn't, back to an hour. So it, you know, it's pretty decent data. But yeah. Yeah. You, you never truly know if. He, if his routine is yeah, looking at a cell phone for half an hour and then this time he didn't. Yeah. So talking about drinking stuff at night, let's move on to the hard ketones. Cause in this, in, yeah, so in the sample pack you sent me, um, I drank two of the ginger mules and I was buzzed and the next morning, no yeah. hangover. Yeah. So that's what this is. Uh, uh, ginger mule, the company's called hard ketones and we, take all the ethanol or alcohol out of these drinks and we infuse it with something that we call ketohol, which is a molecule called R13-butanediol, which is for the last 40 years has been a grape flavoring ingredient. But when consumed at larger quantities, it has a buzz type effect, but without the, without the downsides of regular ethanol. So ethanol converts to acetaldehyde in the liver and that's the toxin that causes a lot of the hangovers a lot of the a lot of the problems it's it's the acetaldehyde this ingredient converts in the liver to ketones and uh you know which offers energy but for some reason this drink doesn't offer the same type of energy as the ketone ester so it's more of a relaxed state so some people wanted to use this pre-workout and they were jogging on the treadmill and they said, Frank, you know, I don't think this drink is so great. I was looking at the couch and thinking, oh, I just want to sit on that couch and relax. I'm like, oh, no, no, it's not for sport because, you know, they're confused because the, the website was all about sport. They thought that this one was as well. And they said, oh, good. Um, so it's more of a after hours relaxation type thing. And I asked Dr. Veach, the inventor of the Keaton Escher. Um, so so this this ingredient, R13-butanol, is a ester bond of beta hydroxybutyrate and r13 butanediol and it's important the ester bond because some companies will try to pour in both ingredients so the label looks almost identical to ours but it's not an ester bond and it just the body absorbs it drastically differently the ester actually enters into the bloodstream as an ester for one um and i asked them well if 80 percent of the so, so when you consume it it gets into the bloodstream it splits into two parts, beta-hydroxybutyrate, so immediate fast-release ketones. And then uh, the slower release, R13, goes to, through the liver and converts to a second round of beta-hydroxybutyrate. So I asked Dr. Beach, why not just give 25% more of just the R13-butanediol? And he said, his answer was epic. He said, the mice were stumbling. <laughs> you know, the mice were drunk. So they just threw that out for you know a human consumption product because he was focused on you know, brain and the elderly. And that's when I knew, Hey, I think some humans might want that. Um, so yeah, that's what the, the hard ketones. So it's an alcohol alternative, but you actually get that buzz. So there's a bunch of alcohol alternatives, non-alcoholic beer and stuff like that, but they're, they miss that little X factor of, you know, that buzz. 
but people don't want to go to ethanol, regular alcohol, because that buzz comes with the morning, you know, just the morning hangover, your heart rate recover, your heart rate variability, recovery scores are, are worse. And for some people, it's a day or two to kind of get out of a funk. And it's just not worth, you know, the squeeze. So, but this one, yeah, you, you wake up fine. And even some people who take, so you took two, some people who take just one find that their sleep actually improves versus regular water, um, you know, versus ethanol 10 times better, but versus just even uh, a not drinking anything. But once you get to two to three, then your scores might be even or a little bit worse if you're at three, but um, nothing compared to ethanol. We had one person submit their aura ring data saying, here's two shots of something one night and their sleep score 35. And then two drinks of ours and their sleep score was 75, just drastic difference. Um, yeah, so it's uh, really exciting. We're hoping to come out with a whole bunch of different flavors, anything that you can currently get that's ethanol based, you know, regular alcohol, you know, switching that over to this ingredient that we call keto hall. So we're working on a beer, possibly wine. We've had a, a, sh a champagne version once. Oh, wow. Okay. Was just, it was champagne flavoring and there was just a hint of champagne. It just, so we didn't make it again because people liked it, but it just, once we made the newer flavors, like the pina colada, where, which actually tasted like really yummy, then it made the other one look so bad but then we found a way to use actual sparkling white wine and uh that's been dealkalized and desugared because most of these dealkalized wines are like 20 grams of sugar so we have to do both the zero sugar and zero ethanol infuse our stuff and so i'm excited that we'll have a champagne version and just you know eventually every drink that you might normally have and and a beer uh, a beer, a craft beer that tastes yummy, but gives you a little bit of a buzz. So should your customers think of this as a healthy alternative or a, I guess, less toxic alternative to alcohol? Both. Both. So it's, there's some segment that just don't drink alcohol, period, because it's just not worth it to them anymore. And I say, well, what are the reasons you don't drink alcohol? Oh, my HRV, you know, all these different reason that they list like, oh, well, it doesn't do any of those things. So you know, that's fine. But if their reason is, oh, I don't want to, I want to remain sober, for example, I don't want anything. I don't take caffeine. I don't drink. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't want to have any altered state. Then, you know, then it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be for them. It wouldn't qualify. Um, people debate whether it qualifies for dry January. Um, <laughs> well, it depends what your, what your goals are. Okay. Um, and this has actually helped people who have, you know, that, that have, cravings, I don't know the exact word, delicate wording, cravings for ethanol or alcohol that they drink one or two glasses, sometimes a full bottle of wine every night. And we've been able to help them shift over to two cans of our stuff. So one bottle of wine every night to two cans of our stuff with no transition problem whatsoever. So the, the withdrawal symptoms just didn't happen. And then a month or two later, I follow up with that person. They're like, oh, I'm not drinking your drink anymore. I'm like, uh oh, did you go back to wine? And they're like, no, no, I just went to water. So they bottle wine for a year or two every night, switch to our stuff and then switch to water. And it was seamless and easy. Now, when summertime came, they ordered it again and they would just, you know, bring some cans to some parties. And but they, you know, they didn't have that uh, 
wine dependence anymore. So it sounds like there's no addictive properties to this alcohol substitute. Well, well, once we make them better and better tasting, there might be some addictiveness <laughs> in the sense of it, them tasting really good. Um, but people usually feel full after two or three. There isn't that compulsion. Like when you have a bag of Pringles, you just want another one and another one and another one. And you just feel compelled to drink more. And that happens also with regular alcohol, beer. You just have one and your blood sugar spikes and then your blood sugar crashes. So then you, you're you hungry. So then you want another beer and you go up and down. So you're just going up and down all day. This stuff, after you know two or three, people just don't feel the desire to have more. And they stop, um, we say, goodbye drunchies, you know, drunk munchies when people just eat poorly. Sometimes the morning hangover is partly due to just bad food choices at night. This makes you not hungry. Some people even skip dinner after drinking this. Um, and then they're less inclined to you know, eat those munchies. So then that's healthier in and of itself if you're not eating all that, all that junk food. But you know, is it healthy? You know, depends if you're comparing it to water or if you're comparing it to ethanol. If it's a comparison thing, yeah, to ethanol, absolutely. Compared to water, you know, there depends. Yeah, I'm sure water is probably healthier for you, but I totally agree. Well, yeah, but I, the reason I say it depends is because people, when they take just one can, they actually have better sleep than water. So, you know, one could argue that a small amount, you know, before that intoxicating effect kicks in, yeah, that might be, you know, considered a health health drink. So whenever I tell people I'm taking ketone esters, the question is always, what are the long-term consequences? If people ask you, well, they're worried about taking... Yeah, the, you might live longer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when, when they've done, you know, the, the well, obviously you can't do human studies, but when they've done the mice studies, yeah, they, they live longer. And there's one paper from Dr. Beach where he talks about all of the like, five or six animal studies where they all talk about caloric restriction and they all have a different theory of why the animal lived longer and his conclusion was you all missed the point it was the ketones stupid all of your studies the different things that you did all made the body release ketones and the ketones is what was protective and helped them live longer so you know so, so some people are, are buying it for you know longevity reasons yeah. okay i mean i totally agree. And, but, but you're i mean another person said well, the body has been designed to make ketones for the last, you know, 10,000 years. The body is designed to be in a more ketogenic state. The body makes this molecule naturally. Now, one could say, you could really debate and say, well, this molecule isn't the ketone itself because when you drink just beta-hydroxybutyrate, the free acid, it just doesn't work. It doesn't enter into the system as well. We have the molecule. We could sell it. But by itself, it just doesn't work. But as an ester bond, they're called precursors, which means it gets into your system. And then when it splits apart, it then becomes what your body makes naturally. So there's, you know, millions of years of evolution testing, you know, ketones in your system. So I already made this mistake in the beginning. Why can't you drink with MCT oil? Yeah. So we put on, on the box, friends don't let friends <laughs> drink ketonatrin MCT oil. And there's some mice studies that found some benefit of the two, but I'm like, we're not mice. So I don't know exactly why, but it seems like they compete. Like maybe, you know, so the MCT, specifically the C8, goes through the liver and only 10% of it converts to ketones, beta-hydroxybutyrate. Whereas the ketone ester, 90% of it 
ultimately converts to ketones. So maybe there's some sort of blockage in, in the pathway of you know, being converted in the liver, but it makes people feel as if they had doubled their C8 consumption. And usually people, they have to slowly increase their C8. Otherwise, I mean, the number two video on my YouTube account is my wife sitting on the toilet, toilet seat closed, and she's just not screaming, but just moaning in pain because she had just a little bit, 10% more C8 than she normally does and just felt like daggers in the stomach. So, um, so the C8 and the ketone ester multiplies the C8 effect, the negative effects of C8. Even this one guy who was the president of a company that sells C8, he was trying our stuff. He's like, Frank, you know, I'm not feeling so good with your ester. And I'm like, what's in your cup? And he's, he's holding his cup. He's like, oh, I forgot. You know, it had coffee and C8 in it. And I said, yeah, no, this guy has a huge tolerance because he sells this stuff, right? And still with the ketone ester, he had GI problems. So yeah, we recommend not having it. And you can also think of it as old technology. Only 10% of it converts to ketones. I have a video with Dr. Beach talking about why MCT, he discarded that concept 20, 30 years ago. Only 10% of it makes BHB, but the other 90% may cause other problems that kind of uh, it has to do with the NAD, NADPH ratio. So it's not just, we happen to be able to test our ketones. And we think, one might think that if you drink enough C8 and your ketones go up one millimolar, you drink ketone ester and your ketones go up one millimolar, that's the same thing. But it's, it's not, it's drastically different in the system. It just happens to be that we can take this snapshot with testing blood ketones. And he explains how the, the, the byproduct of the stuff that doesn't convert to BHB causes problems and messes up that, that ratio. So it's not, uh, not nearly as effective. What are the problems the byproducts cause? Oh, I could show you that video if you want to, it's, it's above my pay grade sure. the way that he explains it, but just, uh, just oxy the oxidation. I don't even want to try That's it okay. and say, it. I, yeah, I could, uh, I could get you the link. You could put it on in the show. Notes okay. I will. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Here directly from the source. Otherwise, I'd, I'd book sure it. that's okay. Um, and caffeine too. But, but one thing he did say was he didn't like C eight actually might make it into the brain itself. Okay. And it's not supposed to be there. So then it creates havoc. So sometimes people feel the C eight for a few weeks or even a month or two, but then they stop feeling it, and that could be a a, uh, a buildup of the stuff that's not supposed to be there. Oh, okay. So you don't drink any MCT oil in your life. Uh, the C8, no. I I just use super cheap Carrington Farms liquid coconut oil. Sure, I'll add that to meals, but not the not the C8. There's no there's no point. Okay. In it. Do you like still? Some people say, oh, it's cheaper, but it's less effective. Yeah. Do you still take the liquid coconut oil? Yeah, yeah. I'll have that sometimes if I have cereal, you know, once or twice a week. I might put a half a tablespoon of that onto something, or I might add it to. Um, you know, a smoothie that I'm doing. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Great. So work just to help, help the fat, fat macros, you know, of the diet. Okay. Do you find that being vegan is hard to stay in ketosis? No, no not at all. Okay. I just, uh, I don't, I think food is overrated. People just have this mindset of a plate having to be huge. Like I don't eat that much and the weight doesn't really change. You just change your metabolism and just change your perception of what a normal plate size should be. But no, there's, avocados, nuts. Yeah, we eat some soy and I try to stay away from those processed, you know, beyond meat burgers and stuff like that. I don't, I don't consider that healthier 
than regular meat okay. at all. I would regular meat is healthier. Um, but yeah. So what's next for ketone aid? What's on the horizon? Well, we're, we're very focused on the, the hard ketone side of the company, getting new products and just really innovating there. Because if we can have a, a beer that does not spike your blood glucose at all and doesn't make you crave that second and third beer and give you a little bit of a buzz, that's our that's our 10x. So um, so doing a lot of flavoring, trying to get different flavors there. We actually, when we made the pina colada, it came out so well that we had to stop selling our raspberry lime. So the raspberry lime was, yeah, fine. It was okay. Um, people who understand understood ketosis had no alternative. They were kind of willing to overlook a little bit of the aftertaste. But then once we made the pina colada, it tasted so good and we couldn't make this one match that taste. I was like, I, I can't in good conscience put that back out. So now we're trying to you know, find something else because certain flavors just match well. Um, I'm also putting some energy in a drink we didn't really talk about, which is on the ketone ester side, which is the, the snake water okay. product. This is, um, did you play with that at all? I did. I drank that. I went, I drank that and went sliding with my kids and felt great. Yeah. So that one is um, ketone ester plus all these other adjuncts, nootropics, uh, Hooperzine, branched chain amino acids, just like the kitchen sink approach, L-theanine, and all these, a stack of different ingredients that really help turn on the brain. And then we turn that into a 12 ounce drink. Did you try one? That's of those? the one I had. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So that is caffeine free. So I'm anti caffeine, alcohol, and sugar. Those are the three you know, no nos. And this one helps people get the same similar feeling that they would with a Red Bull or Monster without all that crash and um, just not having caffeine. Caffeine is a stimulant. Caffeine is a drug. All these people saying that it's healthy for you, makes you live longer, coffee. Like it's all. I believe wishful thinking. It's a drug that worked the first time you took it 20 years ago and you've been chasing that high ever since and it doesn't really work. Yeah. So break your caffeine addiction and after 40 days, you'll be like, oh, wow, my baseline is actually better than my post-caffeine consumption because caffeine takes you down and then you're distracted, but you're distracted for coffee. And so then you have the coffee and you feel like you're not distracted. Yeah, because you just got your fix. Um, so the snake water is has also a low carbo low glycemic carbohydrate in it. And that one is, you know, real fun for having a healthier alternative to all these monster energy and, you know, sugar and caffeine based drink. I saw one thing at the grocery store. It said, you know, the world's healthiest energy drink. And I looked at it and it was organic caffeine. <laughs> like, okay. So again, if you had organic, uh, cocaine is that like somehow gonna make it better and like no it's still a drug you're, you're fooling yourself yeah uh, people say oh i only drink it in the morning because otherwise it messes up my sleep it probably still messes up your sleep you just don't realize it and if you actually got off of it your sleep would be exponentially better than you wake up one percent better every day so uh so the snake water is is also a fun project Every person I talk to that's quit caffeine is like a religious convert. They speak the same way you do about the benefits of not being on it. There's a book, I think, called Alan Carr on Amazon, Four Bucks, How to Quit Caffeine. And it really explains the science of the perception of energy, but it's not really energy and uh, how to go cold turkey. And yeah, yeah. One day we might have a coffee version. We're kicking around that idea, but 
try not to get too distracted from we're like sold out of you know a lot of the hard ketone products just trying to catch up on that before we but ultimately i i wish that we could make a a decaf version that is um just helps people get off of caffeine people want their ritual of their coffee great have cat ketones in it and it'll bring you to baseline it's not gonna it's not gonna one lady said oh these ketones you know they didn't work and i want my money back i'm like great you know i'll give you your money back let's walk through it and after half an hour i found out that she used to take seven cups of coffee a day she went to zero was using ketone ester and she felt nothing i'm like well what do you normally feel when you miss your coffee oh i'm irritable i'm grumpy i've got brain fog <laughs> listening all these things I'm like and you didn't feel those things like no no well tough crowd here because the ketones helped counteract all those withdrawal symptoms and bring you back to baseline. Like that's, that's what it did. Um, so yeah. So when a customer reaches out to you and says the product didn't work, is it just automatic refund and they can't order again? Or how does that work? <laughs> like no soup. Yeah, for you yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if she ended up, continuing with it once she understood that like oh wow yeah i guess maybe it helped me get off the caffeine i think i actually might have told her to go ahead and mix half of your caffeine like come down less come down some on your caffeine and have the ketones so then she can feel you know going over what she felt before like this stimulant effect but ultimately she should wane down to zero yeah yeah we've only refunded maybe 10 20 people in the last few years so it's not a not a big deal. Sometimes they just, sometimes it's taste. Just some people are hyper super tasters, like one drop of this stuff and it doesn't work for them. But we did come out with the other drinks. The The snake water tastes fine. Diluted actually tastes pretty good. And then we have the KU1. The KU1 is our, is our version that is, oh, did I lose? We lost video. Oh. The the K the KU one drink is our six times more water, and it dilutes well into a water bottle, so you can slow release it for sports performance and stuff like that. Um, so sometimes it's taste, and sometimes, very rarely, but it has happened. Someone is really checking the box and doing absolutely everything, and it just didn't work for them. We don't know if it's some enzyme in their system. They don't have alcohol dehydrogenase or something obscure like that. Sometimes people. They take it, but then they don't see the blood ketones rise. And then they, you know, they want their money back. And I said, that's fine. Did you feel anything? I said, oh yeah, my, my brain turned on and this and that. And I said, well, if you didn't see your blood ketones rise and you felt nothing, then I'd be like, sure, stop using it. And here's your, here's your money back, but you're feeling it. So maybe you might be some sort of hyper responder that ketones don't do anything in your blood. That's what people misunderstand. They think, oh, well, the ketones go up and then they go down. They stop working. No. They go up and when they leave the blood is when they start to work. So, you know, Rhonda Patrick said on the Joe Rogan show, oh, I take a lot of ketone ester, but it only lasts for 45 minutes. And then I come crashing down because that's what the blood, that's what the ketone uh, amount uh, will go up and down. No, that's when it starts to work. So for this person, he might have had these transporters that take it out of his blood quickly because the brain is just starving for it and took them up quickly. So he missed whatever peak there was, went straight to the brain, turned on his brain, and I said, well, you know, that's all that really matters. I, I you know, if you really want to test out one day, take two to three times more. So you see it in your blood. So you don't feel ripped off, you know, maybe do that one time, but then what really matters is, is feeling it. And people are so used to supplements and this is not a supplement. We call this a food, but just not feeling it. Like they'll, 
be told to take some pill for 30 days and cross their fingers and maybe notice a difference. And I never notice anything, you know, fish oil or you know this and that. Um, but this stuff, when it works, it works usually the first day, but I usually like to say three or four days because you want to tweak the protocols or, or people might take it with food and not find benefit. And then they see the instructions say best on an empty stomach. So they'll tweak it. But usually after two or three days, if it doesn't work, some people have taken it for you know multiple weeks and then got back to me and said, hey, it's not working. I said, I wish you would have gotten back to me after day three or four because it's, it's not one of those things that take multiple weeks to start working. And then I found out that they were taking it. Oh, I didn't like the taste, so I put it in orange juice. No, it, does, you know, it won't work. Yeah. So I find lunchtime empty stomach around like 12, 1 o'clock gets me to like 6 o'clock, no problem. Yeah, and some people find for their brain that it increases creativity, like as if it's like turning on a different part of their brain. Um, so some people use it first thing in the morning. Some people use it a couple hours into the morning once they get to work and they're going to use their brain. Some people use it as an appetite suppression between meals. Some people use it pre-workout. Um, but then other people say, hey, I'd rather use my own body's fat for the workout, not the energy that I drank. I said, well, that makes sense. So then they take it post-workout. So post-workout, they're really hungry because they did a fasted workout, hungry, and then they'll go drink a 400-calorie smoothie or something. Here, they, they take the ester, and then they're not eating for another two hours. Well, that has its own benefits. Um, and I did interview a Tour de France doctor who talked about how he'll have his athletes do a workout and not eat for two hours because it signals and creates a whole bunch of you know beneficial stuff. Um some people will take it you know, during the workout. Some people take it just before bed. There's you know, five or six different ways to take it. And uh, Tim Ferriss on his podcast recently, unpaid, he said that to turn his brain on for the podcast, he uses snake water. And then out of all the products that he uses on the alcohol side to you know, bring himself down after hard days of work, he uses the, the mule. So our product, out of our thousands of products that he biohacks and tries out uses one to go up and one of ours to come down completely unpaid and he even has paid sponsors that are in those categories oh wow yeah i agree yeah. i mean the stuff is amazing so be, before you. we end because we're coming up on the hour mark i always ask my guests what's one takeaway you want the audience to have but for you about ketone esters if you're just getting into it um that it doesn't put you in ketosis it doesn't negate eating poorly. So I say before you even do anything with the ketone ester, stop eating that junk. And I've even told people like I've got a podcast uh, or a video saying before you drink the ketone ester, do these things. You know, stop that orange juice. Oh, this lady said, oh, I feel brain fog in the morning. And I said, okay, what's your routine? And, and she's like, well, the first thing I do is have grapefruit. I'm like, that's great. She's like, why? Because that's the worst thing you can actually eat first thing in the morning. So you don't even need the ketone ester. Stop eating the grapefruit and I bet your brain fog will go away. And she's like, well, but then when can I, you know, I'll stop for a couple of months, but when can I have grapefruit again? It's like whenever you're ready to have brain fog again. Like it'll be <laughs> that. Um, even having this, this one guy who's um, was caretaking his mother who had, you know, mental problems and he was giving her a bowl of fruit every morning and she would yell and scream at him every day and it was hard to be his caretaker. And I said, I didn't say anything about ketone ester because you know, then he's going to think I'm selling something. And he was in another country. And I said, just try this one thing, change the bowl of fruit to a bowl of eggs and add a little bit of olive oil on it. And he'd been like 
tons of doctors. Why does she scream at me and yell at me throughout the day in confusion? And, um, and he said, uh, a couple of days later, I'm like, Hey, what happened? You know, I spent half an hour with you. And he said, you won't believe this. Like she just didn't kick and scream and was calm and nice. And that was it. And I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't switch to eggs because people just are in denial. Like, how could it be that easy, that quick, that easy, that instant seven years of doctors. None of the doctors said, stop eating the bowl of fruit in the morning. They all want to give drugs and medicine and stuff. And that one day test, she was calm that entire day, but I think he's in denial. He has to go down the rabbit hole of what this ketones things is. But uh, that'd be the first thing I would do is just lower your blood sugar, uh, spiking foods. Uh, that's the first thing to do. And then once you see that that works, then, you, you know, I built some, uh, some loyalty. Yeah. Some, some trust and then add ketones to that. You can then take it to another level, but the easiest, lowest hanging fruit, cheap thing to do is to cut out the fruit and cut out things that spike your blood glucose and just see how much better you feel. And then know that that amount of improvement, you can have another layer of improvement by adding ketone ester, you know, to that. And yeah, we have customers that have been, uh, I think our subscription company called me and said, how are your subscriptions so high and your attrition so low? Like we've never seen that in any way. What are you selling and what, how big of a discount you're giving? Like, well, we only give a 10% discount. Um, and we don't have sales. So the one time that we were able to lower the price, we just lowered it for everyone. So it's a 10% discount. And our customer's average order is like a $200 order of the ketone ester. And they're, they've been members for 15, 17 months on average. So new customer comes in, you know, 24 month customer. Um, so people love it and they stick with it for, you know, a long, long time. And sometimes one question you might ask is, does it stop working over time? And we have seen some instances where someone has stopped. Well, I think happens is this, this brain energy gap concept where your brain is only being fueled 70% by glucose. You give it ketones. I think over time, the ketones help increase that number closer to hundred. So when you're taking the ketone ester, if you're at 90%, that Delta isn't as noticeable. So then they think that it stopped working, but no, it's just that your baseline got better. And then when it took you to hundred, cause it doesn't, it's not a stimulant, doesn't take you to 110. You don't notice it. So then they, they stop the subscription for a couple months and then their brain slips back down to the 70 and then they're like, Oh, now I remember where I was and they add the ester and they, and they feel it. Again. Yeah. I told you I'm a long time customer three years now. I love the product. I could not recommend it to more people. I really love it. Thank you. Thank you. So for, yeah, the, but once people figure out the alcohol thing, the industry, yeah. like that's, cover of time magazine stuff i mean star trek invented 40 years ago something called synthahol and that was you know scotty beat me up he was given a, a scotch and he spits it out and they like, what is this and he, they're like oh it's synthahol we no longer serve alcohol we invented a synthetic alcohol that will you know and they talked about the benefits that's here and now and it's even better than synthahol because synthahol didn't make ketones <laughs> this actually gives you know gives a buzz and delivers ketones so once people figure that out you know i think we could rival the entire industry that's amazing and hopefully we'll be in retail so if any of your listeners are doing any restaurants or in the restaurant business or doing any retail we're trying to get you know directly into grocery stores convenience stores uh so you know contact me oh absolutely so where can people find you 
ketoneaid.com. So it's K-E-T-O-N-E-A-I-D.com. Ketoneaid.com. Okay. I cannot thank you enough for coming on my podcast, Frank. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye.